Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a community run by Warren Jeffs, which I moved out of when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for eight years and have two beautiful babies. Yes, we do. Today we wanted to continue on with our review of the documentary Preaching Evil on Peacock. Yes, we wanted to... Um, there's a lot of information still Sheesh. with the last two episodes, but with how much stuff is coming out lately, like the um, keep sweet, pray and obey, mm-hmm. and we keep getting more and more submissions about all these other videos for us to um, review and react to. And so we thought if we put these two together, we can react to another one next week and um, just kind of keep up the reaction videos yep. for you guys and try exactly. to keep up with demand. So we're going to put these two in a little bit longer video um, because there is a lot of stuff yes. that goes on in these last two episodes that are just like... <sighs> yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot to cover here. So we will try to touch on all of the most interesting points or at least what we found most interesting and talk about that and try to get through these last two episodes here in this uh, video, hopefully within the next 20 minutes or so. So Yeah, if anybody else has been like watching along, um, it's episodes three and four are the last two episodes. And um, before we really get into that, we did also still want to mention the fact that if you are in the southern Utah area and you want to hear more about our story together um, in leaving the LDS church, we are going to be sharing that story and our spiritual journey um, live in southern Utah on Sunday, June 26th. So if you're in southern Utah, we'll have the link in the description and we would obviously love to see you there. Yes, so. we would. So if you can make it out of that, that would be fantastic. We'd love to see you. Um, but it is short notice, so we totally understand. No pressure. Yes, <laughs> and also don't feel like you have to be a post-Mormon in order to Correct. come. There will be active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints yep. there as well. So As always, as we'll always. keep it as respectful as possible. So. Yes. Anyway, so getting into... Let's get into the review. Woo. So at the end of episode two, and then they kind of leave you on a little bit of a cliffhanger of Warren Jeffs finally being caught mm-hmm. and being arrested and going into like his first early times there at the prison. When they showed the prison, it was crazy to me because I grew up in St. George. And so when they said he was sent to purgatory, I was in high school at this time and I don't really remember a lot about the trial happening in St. George, Utah. But I do know, like when they said purgatory, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the prison in Washington County. So familiar with that. And when they were showing like pictures of the courtrooms and stuff and that happened in St. George. And even though it was like, like I said, I was just in high school, so I wasn't really very aware of everything that was going on. But it was surreal to watch it and be like, oh my gosh, all that was happening in my hometown, (laughs) which was crazy. And they showed clips of a lot of FLDS members surrounding the courthouse and that as this trial was going on and they they weren't really sure what they were there for if they were trying to help 
him escape or something like mm -hmm. that. So uh, I can understand not knowing the people that, or their intentions. That could be pretty fr uh, frightening, but uh, for law enforcement. Did you or your family ever go? I know that members of my family went, but I never did. I was never a part of that group. Okay. Uh, and I was still there. I was still very much involved in a part of the FLDS community at that time. But just I never made made it down to St. George to be a part of the group. There were times where I felt like I probably would, but it just never happened. Gotcha. So, but I do remember it very well. I remember people talking about, hey, let's go down and, and, and show our support and show that we don't agree with what the government is doing by protesting and standing in front of the courthouse during his trial. Gotcha. And as like as he's being charged with these things in Utah, because mm -hmm. obviously the show goes through different, like him being charged in Utah and then in Texas, exactly. but the Utah charges of um, accomplice to rape, when you guys heard those charges, what did the community overall think? Well, like always, we just assumed that the law enforcement was working against God's work and that they were just trying to prosecute an innocent man. That was what we were always told. That's what I 100% believed. I believed that it was just Satan trying to work against God's work and uh, and they were falsely accusing him of, of anything and everything. So we just didn't, we didn't believe any of it. Did you guys know that it was something to do with younger um, polygamous wives or did you not know about any of the charges at all i didn't know about the specific charges but we assumed that it was against polygamy of some sort i didn't really know too much about the really young i did know of some some younger marriages but i didn't know that that's what they what he was being charged for okay i was just curious like yeah. how much they told you or how much yeah. they didn't or just like don't believe anything you hear <laughs> or hey it's because we're being persecuted for this specific well to thing. be completely honest with you I didn't think at that time, because of the way I was raised and taught, I didn't think that marrying an underage girl was really a big deal. I'd seen it throughout the community, and I assumed that's what God was asking of us. And so I just thought, well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And so if you look at it from those lenses, you can see why we just assumed that Warren did nothing wrong. And they were falsely accusing him of anything and everything. So, Well, yeah, because if God's commanding... For right. fourteen-year-olds to be married, then it's religious persecution rather than like a. And that's what I assumed. That's what everyone assumed. Yeah, man. Yes. So, <laughs> so. when Warren, they they have tapes recorded of Warren um, coming out and saying that he does not believe he's a prophet, mm -hmm. that he is a liar. It's not true. He is not guiding truth, and um, he ends up attempting suicide. So. That is a lot, <laughs> that is a lot of stuff to hear. Was that actually communicated from his brother who he said it to? Did the community actually get to hear about it? I don't remember who exactly told me. It could have been, it could have been my father. It could have been someone else in the community, but it was communicated to me somehow. And I was still a part of the community. I had not left yet when this happened. And it was, someone told us. And, but of course... It was with the idea of, hey, if you hear about this, don't believe it. None of it is true. Uh, the recording, we were told the recording was fabricated, that it wasn't a real recording. He would never say that he wasn't the prophet because, of course, he was. And so we just, we just, we didn't hear the actual recording. Uh, I didn't hear the actual recording until long after I had moved out, but... We were just told that there was people claiming that he admitted to being a false prophet, but it wasn't true. 
So it's more of a, if you hear the rumor, just know it's not true. Exactly. Not this is something that happened. And I think it was the community trying to get in front of it and just trying to put it to rest before anyone else heard about it. Gotcha. But obviously the recording is there and it seems very real to me. So, uh, <laughs> But of course they're going to claim that it was just fabricated and nothing like that happened. And then as far as the trying to commit suicide, once again, I was under the assumption that maybe one of the guards got close to killing him or something and they were going to try to blame it on a suicide instead of what actually happened. So we were always pinning it on law enforcement. All the negativity was pinned on law enforcement and anything that if he if he would have died and would have succeeded in trying to commit suicide, we would have said, oh, someone in prison killed him. He was a martyr. Yeah, exactly. Was a martyr, right? Yep. What did the community teach you about suicide? Like, were there any, um, like I know Naomi, I believe in the video was talking about how suicide was considered like worse than murder Mm -hmm. and was considered something really bad. Is that something that, um, like in your home where you taught about that? Oops, sorry. (laughs) Kicking things here. Uh, yes, we were, it wasn't something that was talked about a lot, Mm -hmm. but we were told that if you were to take your own life, it would be worse for you on the other side. Uh, after this life than if you were, you know, if someone else took your life. So we were told that it was a very bad and, and uh, a, very, a very bad sin to commit. So, but they didn't, I don't, I don't remember them talking a lot about it. I feel like because you guys had been taught that, I feel like it would almost make it easier to push that aside and believe it wasn't true. Exactly. Because you're like, there's no way he would have tried to commit suicide. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the worst sins you could commit. Right. So why on earth would we believe it? You know what I mean? <laughs> not not for a second. I never believed. Yeah. I never believed it. No. Yeah. So I can, like I said, I can it, imagine. <laughs> and I believe. Well, I know that there are still many, many members of this community that don't believe it to this day. With all the evidence out there, either they are ignoring the evidence, <clears throat> or they just say no, it's fabricated, never happened. Yeah. So. so after he does that and then, um, you know, they kind of talk about it kind of has a change of heart and goes back into, I am the prophet, I am the leader um, mode and starts getting a lot more strict. Now, as he started to get more strict, you had already kind of left beyond before things had gotten that strict. Is that right? Yes. So I had moved out. I believe it was about three years after he was first arrested. Yeah, 2009. And yes, so he, after that, well, yes, he went through all of this stuff in prison where he almost committed suicide and all of these different things were happening. And uh, it didn't seem, hmm, I believe he was already in Texas prison before I moved out. But a lot of the, the really, really strict and I guess you could say crazy rules that he started coming up with were later on after I had moved out. Yes. Okay. So you were never like not allowed to have milk or only eating certain foods. No. Okay. No, none of that happened while I was there. You're lucky, but we do know for those of you who are like, did it actually happen? A lot of Sam siblings, a lot of family friends. So we know for sure that that did happen. Just he was lucky enough to be out before it happened. Exactly. I have a lot of siblings that that left after I did. And so they got to, not not got to, they had to (laughs) deal with a lot more of these things. And unfortunately, they have personal stories about these things happening. Yeah. When 
he got the guilty verdict and it was for sure that he was going to be in prison. What was the vibe like in the community? Like, what did it seem like to you guys? Like, were you guys in disbelief? Like, did you think he wasn't going to be convicted at all? Or did you think he was like magically going to leave? So to be honest, yes, to be honest with you, I did. I wasn't surprised at all that he was found guilty before the law. Uh, because we assumed that they were out to get him. Oh, so in in my mind, I thought, oh, of course he was found guilty to them. In their eyes, they're going to say he was guilty, of course, right? But in my, but yes, I assumed, and we were told, and my mother would tell me this today, that uh, eventually God will break down the prison walls and he will walk out a free man because he will be surrounded with God's power and no mortal man will be able to touch him because of the power of God surrounding him. So... Those are things that they believe. Those are things that I believed for some time that it would just, I guess you could call it magical, but yeah. that it was just going to, it was going to, the walls would break and like some, some Bible stories, you know, that those type of things would happen. Gotcha. Crazy miracles. Yeah. yeah. So kind of going, so from that point, um, Dr. Brenner kind of shifts to what was happening at the Zion, the yearning for Zion ranch. And this is kind of like a big, heavy <laughs> topic to kind of go over and we'll kind of just hit the main points um that kind of stuck out to us obviously you know if you have a chance and you got to watch the documentary there was a lot of things that were wrong about the way that the government handled everything obviously they were going off of information that they heard they found out later that, that information was not true it was from mm-hmm. somebody in Colorado um so i mean they were following in the pursuit of trying to protect someone that was innocent and young as far as they knew. So go ahead. No. Yeah. In in case you didn't watch the show, uh, basically a girl called in to law enforcement there in Texas and said that she was being held against her will. She was underage and she was being forced to have sexual uh, interactions and that she was basically With with an older husband and that these horrible things were happening to her. And she was claiming that she was in the ranch in Texas. Yeah. And there was never anybody by that name. Mm-hmm. Um, neither the, the husband's name that um, she gave him. It's very interesting that it comes from Colorado because... Did that seem a little fishy to you? I think it's interesting because um, later this week on Friday, I had a chance to interview um, a good friend of ours, Manti. And he actually lived on the ranch after the raid had happened. Mm-hmm. He got sent out to the ranch. And he has a lot of great insight. Can't wait to share that video with you guys in that interview. Um, but multiple times, his family had been moved to Colorado to be safe. Yep. Um, they kept saying that. So I think it's really interesting that this uh, record or that this person <laughs> was in Colorado that was basically trying to get them caught, even though there wasn't truth to it. Well, like, and she obviously had some kind of inside information because she knew. First of all, she knew about the ranch. Second of all, she knew what was going on in the ranch to some degree. So she, she, my assumption is she's someone from out there that grew up in the FLDS community, probably was uh, in the Colorado community for quite some time. And who knows, maybe was sent away or kicked out. And through animosity, she made this phone call to try to get them in trouble. Yeah, they didn't mention that in the documentary. I just thought it was very interesting. Right. Because I we agree. just had that interview and we're like, oh, they were <laughs> it is having people hide basically 
in Colorado and mm-hmm. it's just interesting the call came from Colorado and yeah. had that much insight to be able to say the right thing. So obviously the police were acting um according to what they had been told the information. even though yeah, from misinformation, right? Yeah. Yep. So that whole situation is crazy because I can totally see both sides of it. The police think they're going in to protect a child. There is no child. All the people there, I can't even like fathom going through what they went through. Um, the mothers having to be ripped away from their children and and that. that I just, obviously it was not the right way to handle it. No. And the one attorney I think said it really well when she said, you can't assume that because even if something had happened within one family, you can't assume that that means that every single family that that bad thing is happening in, in any group of people, right? So to have all of the children from all of the mothers ripped away for, what was it? So the moms went with them at one point, and then after that, it was another six weeks before with the, you know, the, with the, the before children the one and mother. the mother were apart. Yes, yeah, so yeah. six weeks of, of that. And, and the mother's throughout that entire six weeks had no idea if they were ever going to see their children again or what was going to happen and some of these children were just toddlers and and infants you know i well i don't know about the infants for sure but i know there were a lot of young children yeah a lot of young children which because the the whole case kind of started with an underage marriage i'm really surprised honestly that they even took away the youngest children anyway Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i know they said they started with girls what was it seven to 17 um but still just so so sad to see all the things that happened with all of those um those women and children and it's just one more time where you can look and you go no wonder they felt like people were out to get them right we we knew from these other episodes that warren jeffs these things that were happening were within a very small group most of the people and most of the women and pretty much all the children, none of them knew the perverted things that Warren Jess was doing. They did not know. They were not complicit in it. They didn't under, like, would have no clue. Yeah, I most certainly had no idea while I was out there what was going on. And uh, to your point, Melissa, it's true. They, this, this experience, uh, the raid in Texas, if anything, strengthened the, the belief and testimony in Warren Jeffs as a prophet because he had testified of these things that they were going to happen, that the government was going to come and rip them apart, that they were going to do all these things if they weren't righteous enough. So, of course, all of this happening just put a bunch of guilt and shame on the, the mothers because they thought, oh, it's all because of us. Warren told us that if we weren't righteous enough, if we weren't good enough, if we weren't following the rules perfectly, that this would happen. And so they just said, well, you know, of course, you know, they were, I, I can't imagine the excruciating six weeks they all went through. Yeah. And like you said, all as a testimony builder, you would think yeah. that it would, you know, most of those cops are thinking, oh my gosh. We're going to be able to help them get out of it. And little do they know, all they're doing is reaffirming all of the fears and all of the things that would keep women and children in there to begin with. So whole crazy thing. (laughs) Definitely watch it for yourself. Be able to to see what happened with that. That's kind of all we're going to say about that. But that leading to um, getting a hold of the, the priesthood records and the records that Warren Jeff's um, 
had very or Naomi had kept for Warren Jeffs very diligently. Um, the next thing we kind of wanted to touch on was, man, it's really interesting. Um, when they were talking about the recording of the 12 year old Mm -hmm. and Warren Jeffs. And then just really quick before we get into that, it's interesting that they went into this, they, they, I guess, rushed to the ranch or raided the ranch uh, trying to find this underage girl to, to, to help her and get her away from the situation. They had no idea that they were about to find all of these records, uh, tape recordings, and, and all this written down information that just, that, I mean, it was just so much hard evidence of what Warren was, was, has been doing. And that's the reason that he, he was even sent to Texas on trial anyways, was because of all the information they accidentally <laughs> stumbled upon while trying to find this young girl in the ranch that wasn't even there. So the whole thing is just very interesting. But yes, they, they came across all these records and tape recordings, and that's kind of where we let off there. So Yeah, yeah, it's... The fact that the the way, obviously, Warren deserves to be in prison, most definitely. Um, but it's very interesting the way that it all happened to mm-hmm. have him end up with his final sentencing. Right. Um, very, very interesting the way that everything came about. But so going into when they started talking about the recording... Um, of Warren with his 12-year-old bride. Now, obviously, it was his bride, right? There's pictures of them kissing, him holding her. Um, Obviously, pedophilia, okay? No doubt about that at all. So when we say our next opinion on this, um, it's still grateful he's in jail for it. And I'm not saying that he did not have sexual relations with this girl because I am sure he did because he did with all of his other wives, okay? That we know of. That we know of. However... When they started playing the recording, Sam and I were looking at each other and, you know, all of these people who have no experience in um, LDS or FLDS blessings, to them, they were saying how creepy it sounded and that there is no other way that the recording could be thought of other than sexual. Mm -hmm. And as Sam and I were listening to the beginning of the recording, we kept waiting and we kept waiting for the evidence that it wasn't just a blessing for the evidence that it was sexual because as he was talking and as he was speaking and the things he was saying, Sam and I looked at each other and we're like, this just sounds like a blessing. Mm-hmm. What a priesthood blessing would be when he says he lays his hands upon her head. That's the beginning of a priesthood blessing. Everything that he said. Now I can understand taking a step back and not being familiar with priesthood blessings. Um, how that would all, everything he said, could come off sexually. But as Naomi said when he when she said it was just a blessing, I'm inclined to believe her. I mean, I haven't, they didn't show any other witnesses saying that they saw it happen. And so I've heard in another documentary that we're going to be watching soon, maybe there's witnesses and then we can believe like their testimony. But what was actually like said in the whole beginning of the recording was very typical of a normal priesthood blessing in the LDS right. or the FLDS. Yes, and it's it's so it's hard. I mean, these the law enforcement they they from the beginning they said it's very obvious that it's sexual, very very obvious, you know. And and like Melissa said, we kept waiting. And but 
there i mean towards the end and maybe we, maybe they didn't share the entire recording on the vi- on the video i want to go on honestly i want to kind of go find the whole thing to see there must have i was like the whole maybe time i'm like there's more there's more uh-huh. there's more than what they're just sharing on the documentary maybe there's something we're missing i don't know and there was at one point that he said okay now get on the other side of the bed i mean <sighs> the bed thing was the only thing to me that was, like, was well, off what's going on there compared to a normal blessing at least of the recording they shared in this one documentary <laughs> yes so but it's interesting that naomi now has obviously doesn't believe in warren jeffs and doesn't believe any of that stuff anymore she still claims full-heartedly that this was just a blessing that and that it wasn't anything sexual so i i don't know why she would try to claim that <laughs> if it was I don't know. You know. I mean, unless I she's trying to not know. be an accomplice to rape, I don't or know. Maybe she's trying to. Yeah, you're right. Maybe, yeah. Maybe there's something there. Yeah. The only other thing I want to say too is, um, when he was giving the blessing or whatever was happening in that recording, which sounded like a blessing to us, um, and he's laying his hands upon her head and the things he's saying, you know, then he asked, um, "How are you feeling?" Mm-hmm. Or are you feel? Yeah. How are you how, feeling? How, how do you feel? How do you feel? Mm-hmm. Um, I totally get why that sounds super creepy to people from the outside. That is a very, very common thing to be asked after receiving a priesthood blessing. Yeah. Very common. Um, I was asked it after I was baptized. I'm at eight years old. You know, oh, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. That was something very common because we're told that we have the gift of the Holy Ghost who is going to tell you through your feelings when things are true, when things are good. And so when he says, how do you feel? Or yeah, mm-hmm. I might be something, along, my, those something along those lines <laughs> yeah. of how do you feel? Um, I don't believe that didn't sound sexual to me because it sounded like what you would typically say at the end of a blessing. Yeah. Is that your experience with blessings in the FLDS? Yes, very common is to say, oh, how, how do you feel after, after receiving a blessing? Because it's supposed to be a very spiritual and uh, special experience now i'm not i'm not trying to justify warren's actions by any means definitely not (laughs) we're just pointing out that we're probably not the only ones that after hearing that recording might wonder well who knows what was going on there Uh, to to a lot of people it seemed very very obvious but uh, i don't know the the, the get on the other side of the bed part was the one thing that I thought, I don't know what's going on. First of all, why is a bed even included? So, that, I mean, this all that all that whole portion seems very fishy to me. But, yeah. but when everyone else was saying that from the beginning, it sounded like it was a sexual thing, uh, that didn't, that wasn't the case for us. Yeah. Not from our experiences. Yeah. So that was a little interesting for us to be like, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's not where our minds went with it. I can t- we can totally see where someone who's never had a, a priesthood blessing before would feel that way. It makes perfect sense from the outside. But when you've been raised from the inside of it, that seemed very typical. Yeah. Most of what he was saying. Yes, and then from I mean, it goes on and on. So many things happen in these two episodes. I would just recommend uh, watching them because we can't get into every detail. Uh, but just um so a, a thought that I had while we were watching this and it's, it's because so many of these people, they would say that they they didn't feel like they could speak up or even if they didn't feel like it was right. They didn't feel like they could speak up. They didn't feel like they had any say in the matter. And that's that was very typical. That was very typical for everyone out there, for me included. You know, I mean, everything was so controlled 
that if I didn't feel like something was just right, I didn't feel like I could ever stand up and say something about it, right? I mean, thankfully, I didn't have to deal with any of this, uh, some of the crazier things you hear about with uh, the, the sexual things and things like that. And I actually was never married out there. So anyway, I didn't, I didn't have to deal with a lot of it. But, but I will say that even to this day, I find myself at sometimes, if, if I'm in a situation where I don't feel comfortable, I have a hard time standing up, you know, and saying, hey, this isn't right, or I don't feel comfortable. I still catch myself sometimes hesitating because of the, the way I was raised, not really being able to have a voice in the matter. So anyway, just an interesting thought that I had as I was listening to so many of these people on the show say that they didn't feel like they had a choice or yeah. that they weren't sure what to do. Yeah, kind of the last thing we wanted to um, kind of touch on is as it was all closing up and... Um, the different women were kind of just sharing where they're at now in life. Um, I'm sure a lot of people, especially people who have never been LDS before or Mormon before, um, are wondering how somebody could go from both, both of the women, um, both stated that they now identify as Mormon or mainstream LDS, um, instead of FLDS. And, I know so many people and we've gotten comments a lot on it where people are like, how on earth could you go from one prophet like that and then go to another church that is built pretty much the same way in authority type um, mm -hmm. type ways? And how could you go from FLDS to LDS? And so just to give a little light on that, because that is Sam's story as well. Correct. What do you think? Why do you feel like these women ended up becoming mainstream LDS after leaving the FLDS and everything they went through. Yes. Everyone has a personal experience. Everyone has their, their personal journey and it's always different. So it's hard to pinpoint exactly what happened with them and what it was that, that caused them to want to join another religion. Because you can imagine, and, and, and I will speak for most people that do leave, uh, that I've talked to, they say that they would never want to join another religion because they've, they've dealt with all of that. And once they believed or once they found out that it wasn't true, they, in their mind, they thought, well, nothing can be true as far as religion goes. But as far as joining another religion or specifically the mainstream LDS church, I believe that it was the most comfortable, familiar church that they could find. And when you are taught your entire life uh, a certain way, and, the, and, and the, I mean, the church was, was our life. It was everything. We lived for the church. And then all of a sudden, you don't have anything to quote-unquote live for. You, you, there's, there's, you feel this emptiness that you need something. You need, you need, you need something that gives you purpose in life. And I feel that a lot of people look for that and they find something that feels familiar and they find something that is, you know, the, the scriptures are very, very uh, similar. They use a lot of the same scriptures, sing a lot of the same songs. And so anyway, that just I, I think that, that was, that's probably one of the main reasons that people join the LDS church after leaving the FLDS church. Well, and you have to remember too that a lot of the similarities there's so many similarities um and a lot of the church history and a lot of the core doctrine mm -hmm. is the same and so i'd say it's kind of like they don't want to or i'm not trying to speak for them but 
I would assume you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? You have Mm -hmm. all these other doctrinal beliefs that you believe in. And to realize that there's a false prophet or not believe in Warren Jeffs anymore isn't necessarily going to change these other 50 million things that you believe. And so when you go to a different place and you're like, all these other core things that I believe line up and I can take out the one piece or the few pieces that um, were troublesome. You know, if I can take away Warren Jeffs, I can take away the overwhelming control. You know, um, some people might think that the LDS church has a lot of rules, but compared to the FLDS, <laughs> you're flying free, free. baby. <laughs> you know, and like freedom. Yeah, comparatively, yes. that is like having all the freedom in the world. And yep. so really, like you said, familiarity, um, there's going to be a comfort level. And then also most of the people that were leaving or even these women, you can always see it. I feel like a lot in Naomi's eyes. It always makes me feel really sad for her. You can tell that they didn't leave because they stopped believing, mm-hmm. right? It well, wasn't, well. In Naomi's Naomi, case, she was forced out. Yeah, she was forced out. Um, but it was like, I didn't say that. It's not like, oh, we found out these things weren't true, so I can walk away, mm-hmm. right? It was like these really hard things for them, um, realizing something's just not right. And they might not even know what that is until after they leave, other than a gut feeling, or I want to be with my children, or I'm being isolated, or I'm being kicked out. I don't know why. And so their core beliefs did not change. Yeah. And so going somewhere where they can keep their core beliefs would just make sense. True. And I would also add that uh, a very powerful word is love. And I feel that uh, we were being raised in that type of religion. We were often taught to always try to feel the spirit uh, because we were told that we had the spirit with us. And so I feel that a lot of times people will mix the two feelings of uh, or not necessarily mixed but when they're feeling this warm comforting feeling that they would call the spirit i think oftentimes it was love and whether it was because they were with loved ones family friends people that they felt welcome and loved and and had that warm feeling and and if they said and if they felt that while talking with some members of the LDS church, maybe they felt that and they thought, well, this is the spirit talking to me. This has got to be where I should be. This has got to be right. So anyway, that's just a, just a, an opinion, I guess, but yeah. uh, I'm not sure exactly what everyone experienced. But Yeah, just our final thoughts on that. So if you guys would like to hear more of what it was like for Sam growing up in polygamy and would like to hear more of our reactions to I know there's a lot of... <laughs> a lot coming out. Yeah, a lot of FLDS content coming out right now. Um, we are going to be doing the one on Netflix next, and we'll probably just be doing them in addition to our normal Q&A and interview videos so that we have time to be able so to get through all this content. keep up with everything. <laughs> so put in the comments what videos you would like us to react to, um, TV shows, anything like that. Um, that has to do with polygamy. And thank you for all of you that have already done that for us. Yes. You're the reason that we want to go respond so quickly to the Netflix series because we we keep seeing your comments and we, well, okay, we got to do this. We got to so, do it. We got to do it now. So anyway, we're, we're looking forward to that one next and we will uh, we'll get that for you as soon as possible. Yeah. Thank you all. And we'll talk to you all soon. We'll talk to you soon.